This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Well, how's that for putting on your big boy pants? Flyers take game five. We're on to game six. This is Orange and Backcheck. Let's break this down right now. This is the Orange and Backcheck Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. Well, we put on our big boy pants tonight. The Flyers showed up. Claude Giroux showed up. JVR showed up. Jake Voracek showed up. The entire top six showed up. And they blew it in the third, but they came back and won it in overtime. I'm Bill. He's Scott. Scott, where are you right now, Game six, Game heading into game six? I'm at my house, actually. <laughs> Yeah. I had to. Look, I'm so jacked up from that one. I was went from complete elation, like, hey, a 3-1 lead. They're playing well. Carter Hart gives up a bad goal. It shifts the momentum. Nobody picks up the backdoor play because Hagen connect near puck watching. We go into overtime. I can't stop pacing. I can't stop freaking out. Then they score, and we're on the game six. So that's how I feel Scott, right now because I not told just you from the beginning beginning of this thing your ebbs and flows and overtime and people with cardiac issues should not watch this stuff because i'm telling you that's exactly what it was tonight that was excitement it's not the way you want it but it was excitement it was a hell of a game they finally woke up and i'm very confident with this team going into game six yeah, like you always have to be a little hesitant when you win a game, whether it's in regulation or especially if it's in regulation after when your back's up against the wall heading into that next game in game six. Uh, but man, I'm with you there. I'm more than confident heading in, especially because the top six finally showed up. The top six, or excuse me, we've been so reliant on the bottom six for this entire series and really throughout the entire playoffs. They carried them a little bit, mostly for the most part in uh, the Montreal series and definitely throughout the round robin. Now that the top six has finally woken up, you can see the difference in why they're the number one seed and the Islanders are the sixth seed. It is a, there's a clear difference. Yes, the Islanders have been the better team this series, but on paper, as I've been saying, the Flyers are the better team if they're clicking on all four lines, and that's what we saw tonight. Well, you know what you saw tonight, too, is that you finally start them to take the play to the Islanders. This is a very physical game. There was, there was 109 hits combined between the two teams. The Islanders had 56. The Flyers had 53. The Flyers started to establish themselves in the last game, but they just couldn't score. Tonight, I thought they established themselves pretty well. I don't think that from the get-go, the Islanders were really looking like they were ready to play this game. There, they came, they played a little passive. They played a little, um, uh, say, a little conservative to start. Uh, they got the first goal, but they didn't really do much beforehand. And the Flyers really got the forecheck going. They got the puck movement. Their passing looked pretty decent tonight. Uh, overall, they they just looked like they got the wheels together. Now. We talk about the top six. There's some guys who like kind of picked themselves back up tonight. JVR scored. Giroux scored. That was real big for him. Matt Neskinen scored. The key thing is, though, is that 
we have to watch and see how bad that Sean Couturier injury is. Because Sean Couturier didn't play in the yeah. third period and he didn't play in overtime after taking the knee on knee on Barzell. And then, Matt, we have to also watch on the other side. Matt Barzell got clipped in the eye did not play in overtime. So um, we kind of have that to see. That was a bad. That was bad. That was yeah, really bad. Yeah, that was just a follow through. Yeah, it, it, that was, it, and that's a, that's a scary thing. So um, you have to think if, if, if Barzell can't go, that's a huge hit for the Islanders. And if Couturier can't go for the Flyers, that's another big thing for them because they lose their top center. I would say center, it's even so. worse. I would say Absolutely it's even worse it is. the Flyers. If, if, like, because of what Couturier can do for the Flyers far outweighs what Barzell can do for uh, the Islanders for, for sure. But, I mean, well, what Barzell is – Well, but, but Barzell is still a huge piece of that team, and it's it's – it's in favor of the Flyers in that sense. I mean, I hope that he's okay and all that, but if we're talking apples to apples here and a matchup between him and Couturier, Couturier wins that battle in terms of importance, in my opinion. I agree. It's just Barzell creates a lot of space for them, has a lot of creativity, so which which helps them out in that aspect. He can make he can make a lot of space without a lot of it around him. So, uh, meaning that he's very good at being able to move the puck through a lot of small areas, make threaded passes. He's done that a couple times this series. Uh, but but more importantly, you're right because it is um, Couturier. You know, he is that two way center. Uh, it is important for him to be able to uh, to to do that. So uh, hopefully he can go. But if he can't, then you you're just got to grind it out. That's what you're going to have to do. Game six is going to be a grind. The pressure's on the Islanders now. They're they're really going to have to try to come through and try to close this thing out because you know um, the Flyers have the momentum right now, which is good. Uh, they just have to continue playing with the way that they're playing uh, because the last two games they've played pretty well. Tonight the puck went in the net for them. Last game it didn't. Uh, so it's, it's it's important. Yeah, I mean, and Barry Trotz even said uh, in the post game of Game Four, uh, he thought his team played his their worst hockey in the entire playoffs. I believe he said he definitely said at least the right. series. He might have even said the, the the playoffs as a whole. And I I, I mean I I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the, I know exactly how they've been playing in the first round uh, and the second round comp- against the Flyers in comparison, but. I mean, I thought they still played pretty well. And that's that. And like you were alluding to with the Flyers, it, their bounces didn't go their way. They played a hell of a game in game four on the rewatch that I played or when I, when I got a chance to sit down. But I mean, it just didn't go their way. They started hitting the post similar to what Montreal was facing in, in round one against the Flyers. And all of a sudden, Karma starting to bite the Flyers in the butt there. Um, but yeah, and tonight was the exact opposite. They finally started to go get their way. And, and and you saw the result tonight. I mean, that you jumped out to an early – or you, you, you went down early, but you didn't feel the panic. Like most of the time when you are you have your back up against the wall and you let up that first goal, you immediately feel the creep of doubt coming into your mind and you kind of like – you either step up and put your big boy bands and pants on or you, you, all of a sudden that's the end of it. With this, it felt like they always had their pant, these big boy pants on as AV wanted this team to put on, the entire team top to bottom. Uh, and even when they went down one nothing, it did not feel like they had lost control of the game. It felt like, as you said, the Islanders were not playing that strong of a first 15 minutes, 10 minutes. Um, and the Flyers were in complete control of that first period. And it didn't feel too panicky yet up until probably the end of the third when they were just fighting on to keep it a tie game. Yeah, and, you know, it's weird because they 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 didn't play 
poorly defensively. Carter Hart had that first goal. There was a couple things in this game that were really, really wonky. The first goal that Carter Hart gave up, it should have maybe been interference because Barzell was kind of forcing his way and staying in the crease and not making an attempt to get out. Tyler Pitt goes in the way, which is a little weird. Yeah, and I I agree with you. That's what I saw. Like it, it, Tyler Pitt, like yes, I, I, it's fully clear that he gives him a shove that go that causes him to skate into Carter Hart. But I feel like interference should have a two pronged, uh, like uh, effectiveness. Or I, I, like I'm looking, I'm lacking the uh, the word uh, the word to use. But they, it needs to be a two pronged test, basically. Like yes. Tyler Pitt like pushed him into it, but then Barzell decided to just stay in the crease. He really made no effort to get out of there. Yes, you can argue it was the heat of the moment in the game when the puck is in scram is a- you're scrambling for the puck behind the net and it causes the puck to come in front. Um, but it didn't. It, it looked like he even grabbed a stick. I can't remember whose player it was. It might have been even he might have been even going for Carter Hart's. But it just seemed like he was completely blocking Carter Hart's attempt to go on the far post and make a seal to to clog up that that attempt but the ref saw it another way and I I like I I always feel like I'm never going to be one of those Flyers fans and I'm sure you're not either we're definitely in the same boat if my mind if my thought is correct I'm never going to be in the the refs are always out for us mindset in the as a Flyers fan I don't think that's the case I think there are just there are just so many ineptitudes of of refereeing that they they just make crappy calls that happen to be when we're watching the game because when you're obviously watching most 90% of the time you're watching the Flyers you're going to think that all the calls go against your team and they do at the time but that doesn't indicate it's just your team it's just what you're watching Correct. There is no actual bias. It just seems that way because you're into it. The only one I was really like getting upset about tonight that I was really frustrated was they blew that call on that Kevin Hayes shot. That should have been a goal. If I get you look that. At I get the it. Replay, yeah. Look at the replay. This is why, look, there is nothing stopping. You play until the whistle is blown. So what wound up happening there is that Hayes shoots along the goal line. It gets stuck. There's a little bit when a goalie puts on his pad – they have a tie down. It's really a, a, like a skate lace or some bungee at the bottom near the toe that straps to the um, to the front of the skate. The puck got wedged between his skate and um, because of that thing, it was loose enough that pushed his pad up. It got stuck up against the skate. Now, when Pitley came in and hit his pad, his foot went completely across the goal line. If you look at the replay, you can visibly see the puck. So I'm looking at him saying, that's a goal. That is clearly a goal because the puck, that they did not blow the whistle. With all due respect to Bush on the broadcast, I'm not sure what he's talking about because the rules don't specifically state that you can't hit a goalie's pad with its gear. Uh, we posted on the Twitter feed year a couple years back when Mike Smith was a member of the Coyotes. He A puck flipped up in the air. It got caught in his pants. And he didn't know where it was, so he slid down into the net, and they called it a goal. He hit the puck completely across the goal line with the puck in his equipment. The same exact thing happened tonight. It got stuck in his foot. It got pushed across the goal line before the whistle blew. That should have been a goal. Regardless, it wasn't. But still, that's the point that the only time I really get frustrated with the refs is that because you, you could see it clear as day. It, it, that puck is across the goal line before the whistle is blown. You can clearly see it on the goal cam. It should have been a goal. But yeah. that goal counts. We probably don't go to overtime and feel as jacked up as we do right now. It's just a regular playoff win. They're alive. This overtime win. 
probably really swings momentum in the favor of the Flyers. Now, look, I'm a yeah, man of right. conviction. I'm, 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 before I, I real quick, I, we're in a little bit of a delay here. Sorry about that, Bill. There, oh, there, man. there's, there's a. I'm a man of conviction. I still think Islanders overall in seven, but I'm really jacked up because I think the Flyers are going to come back in Game Six if Couturier comes back as well. Uh, they're going to be ready to go and play a really, really good game. Yeah, and as of right now, AV has said in his post game press conference he doesn't know the severity of of Coots's injury just yet. I imagine we'll, we won't we he won't know and we won't know until probably midday tomorrow, maybe early tomorrow morning. Um, but to your point about the that goal that should have been that not no goal non goal called that should have been a goal. Yeah, you're right. Like imagine if if that was called a goal to give them the 3-1 lead at the, that point. I believe it was 3-1. Yeah, it was a 3-1 yeah. lead at that point or 4-3. Yeah. Uh, or right. Sorry. It was, Either way, okay. like it, it, it all plays out, and then you get to the to the four goals total in regulation because of that goal. Like, But the, still, it, the third period still plays out. You're right. Like the, the, the Islanders are on the hot streak because they had the near comeback, and the Flyers just skated by, no pun intended, of a one, of a one goal win. Now you're dealing with an overtime win that gets you jacked up. Lawton screamed like he was releasing a million de- uh, demons from his body the way he's been playing this series. Like, I, like I, that, it, it, the way Claude Giroux played, he finally got his one goal. Scott Lawton got his overtime goal. I think that was his first career goal, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure on that. Like these kind of things, these patterns that can happen for a hockey team especially, gets you the next one. You win this one, and then all of a sudden you're looking into game six or game seven, game six in this instance, and you're like, oh, no, this this team, we can take this team. Like, yeah, they're up, they've been up on us uh, up until this point, but they're easily doable, not easily, but they are obtainable to force a game seven, and then you go from there. Because once you're in a game seven, all bets are off and you don't anything goes. doesn't matter what happens at that point. So right. it, them going into game six like this is way better than if they had called that goal that you're alluding to as a goal. Uh, all, the, all things considered. Agreed. Absolutely 100% agreed. You're absolutely right. You know, and that's that's why I said I, I'm not going to harp on it too much. It happens. It's part of the game. Overall, the Flyers played well. Uh, it, it, you couldn't ask for a better response. You're facing elimination, and you came out with arguably your best game in the series, except you blew the lead once again. Whatever it is about this Islander team, that's the third time this season they've been down two or three goals against the Flyers, and they've come back every single time. In the regular season, the Flyers, they did it against the Flyers. They won it in a shootout. The Flyers have won the last two. They've, they've, they mustered it. But this is a team that's not going to give up. But in the third period, if you've got a lead or you're in a tight game, you can't make mistakes because that is a team that makes you pay for them. So they're going to have to be real careful next game with it. Yeah, I, I fully expect Barry Trotz immediately was uh, – I mean, Barry Trotz is one of those coaches that knows how to get his team jacked up, similar to AV. There's no – like uh, we talked about it early uh, in the, the this afternoon before the game started about the, the quote about the big boy pants and the controversy of how people are taking that out of context. But in, on the same sense, Barry Trotz knows how to get his team going. AV knows how to get his team going. He knows how to play the media. He knows how to play it in the locker room. There's no doubt Barry Trotz 
He's already be- as soon as that clock ended and he t- he won. They thought it was a high stick on Lawton. It was close, but it wasn't uh, anything that was close to reviewable uh, as the Islanders uh, from the Islanders' perspective. As soon as they went back into that locker room, Barry Trotz had that has that team ready for Game Six. They're going yep. to come out exactly how the Flyers came out tonight. Don't yep. like they should not expect anything different. And you got to weather that storm. The Islanders did a pretty good job of weathering the storm in the first ten to fifteen minutes tonight with the Philadelphia Flyers up until the second period when things start to break open. But the Flyers are going to have to do the same tomorrow night or uh, Tuesday night, Thursday night, excuse me. I don't think we have a time yet. Thursday night, I would assume. No, they haven't announced uh, it yet. I would assume it's going to be Thursday night. Uh, they got to, the Flyers got to be ready for that. And you need Matt, Matt Niskin and Ivan Provorov, the, the blue line, the entire blue line, all six of them uh, ready to go. Like this is not going to be uh, – obviously you need the forwards as well, but it's going to really come down to the blue line in the first 10 minutes when you're facing a team that's going to be playing a little desperate here. Without a doubt. And, you know, that that's the same thing that we've talked about earlier in the series, that you lose a game, you just move on to the next one. They're a little bit deflated because they battled back and didn't get it, but they're still going to be ready to go. It, it The only thing about the Islanders, though, they're not a team that quits, but at some point you got to wonder when these comebacks actually take a toll on you. That happens. It really does happen. That's a good point. Great point. The Flyers have not had to really battle back in any of these games. They've came close. Like last game, they got they got the second goal late. Um, then, but the Islanders know how to shut it down. You have to wonder. That's the second time in this series that uh, the Islanders have come back. The Flyers need Game Six to be one thing: a controlled, complete effort. It's not going to be easy. The Islanders aren't going to give them much time and space as usual. But they need to come out and they need to play a complete sixty-minute game. Because if they're going to stretch this to seven, they have to show the Islanders like, yep, we're going to throw everything we got at you. Because when the Islanders come out, and if their backs are against the wall, if we get to game seven, then, oh, boy, watch out for what will be one of the craziest games you'll ever see. Yeah, you're right. That's actually what I, I liked your point about the comebacks because you're right a, that it does take a toll. Like a lot of times, like a perfect example uh, that was actually it, it's a good example, but it's also an anomaly. The, in 2010, when the Flyers came back, not just 3-0 in the series against Boston, but 3-0 in the game seven, and then they come back to win 4-3, like – those games take a lot out of you. They are like it's it, usually uh, if you force an overtime like the Islanders did, you're you're gonna. Pr- you, you, I would imagine you have a better chance without looking in the stats. It's more often than not the team that came back to uh, tie it up also, but dis- also ended up losing in overtime because of the energy that it took to gain the tie like you see this a lot in sports in general like if in football you're down 21 you make a comeback and all of a sudden uh you're now the team that uh late in the fourth that's given up the the, the last minute touchdown and you're done same thing with the islanders like it, it's tough it's draining on the body and just in general to come back from a two goal get deficit uh in hockey and then force that overtime and you play for another what was it 15 minutes something like that was yep. was when the goal was scored like yep. that is a lot on the body of extra hockey and you're mm-hmm. and and that's where when the Flyers jump out to these leads at some point they're going to hold them 
whether it's by their own force of skill, uh, which is a little struggling right now in terms of holding the lead, or just the sheer tiredness of the Islanders' ability to also come back. Like it's gonna, which one of these, uh, uh, which one of these is gonna break first, the Islanders or the Flyers? And after an overtime win. Uh, for the Flyers and that momentum, you have to give the edge to the Flyers of having it right now for the next two games at least, if they force a Game 7. Without a doubt. And that's the important thing to think of as well, is that the Islanders had a chance to put this thing away tonight, and now they've got to go play an extra game. It's going to be a, kind of a weird one like it was against Game 6 against Montreal because that the, the Islanders know that they've got – they don't want to go to Game 7 against Philadelphia. I mean, yeah. think about 40 years ago. 40 years ago in 1980, there was the same exact concept. 3-2, they were technically in the island, and the Islanders had a chance to win the Stanley Cup at Game 6 and wound up doing it. And, it's you know, it's the same concept. Like, the Islanders know that the Lightning are waiting for them. They want to get to the Lightning. They want to play the Lightning. Um, but – you, you got to get past this. The fourth game is the hardest to win. And, you know, there you have to keep battling and battling and battling and battling. But pretty soon it, it takes a toll on you physically to the point where you're not competing as hard as you think you are because not because you get complacent. It's just because that extra hockey and that extra stuff you've had to do takes a little bit of that edge out of you. I mean, if you're, you're a great example with the Flyers in 2010. By the time they got to the final, they were gassed. Like yes. they pretty yep. much blew everything they had against Montreal uh, to get through that, and then get to the final. They just they were a step behind. Pronger was hurt. Teaming had some issues. The players weren't fully healthy. You know, guys were banged up. Um, when the more hockey you play, the more chances that's for happen. And think of it this way too: like if they lose a guy like Matt Barzell. For an extended period of time, and the Flyers might with possibly with Kateri as well, that changes your whole outlook. So, like for instance, the Islanders against a team like Tampa without a player like Matt Barzell, that does not bode well in their favor at all. If the Flyers manage to get back in this series, win Game Six, win Game Seven, and then wind up playing Tampa, if they don't have Kateri, that doesn't bode well for them. But I don't want to get ahead of myself because, again, I, I you know, it, it's one of those things where I still will hold my prediction until it either proven right or proven wrong. Uh, still, you have to kind of think about those things that this extra hockey that Islanders have had to push back and not have to play essentially, and they haven't had a tight series like this before. They they won in four against uh, Florida, and they won in five against um, who did they play last round? Uh, Washington. Washington, yeah. So. Washington battle backs. I mean, they were able to finish them off. This Flyer team is working hard on them. So you got to think at some point the Flyers are going to break them. They're 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 starting to get that favorite F word, Bill. Flow. Yeah, they had some yeah. really good flow tonight. Like I I, I give you that it, with the Couturier thing. Um, basically, it comes down to who is the better replacement. Like I look at. I, I I look at the uh, the scratches. I believe they're all healthy scratches for the Islanders. Like Andrew Ladd is probably their best scratch. I would say. Like I don't I don't see anyone else that uh, that sticks out uh, for the fly, for the Islanders. But like Av uh, has a couple of options here in terms of scratches on to replace Couturier if. if the worst needs to happen and you need to put someone in Michael Raffles, a suitable replacement, but I think it's going to be Morgan Frost, if anything, because he's the center for, he's a center, but 
he said he's a couple days away or just he didn't really give a timetable. There are a chance we see Oscar Lindblom out of all of this, like like to replace Coots just for the moment um, until we figure out how long he's going to be out. Like basically what it, what I'm saying is there's better options for AV in the scratch department, in the healthy scratch department to take the spot of a, a take the spot of Couturier for one game compared to the Islanders where it's really Andrew Ladd. And I can't even remember if he's a healthy scratch or a uh, – uh, 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 he's he's hurt at all. That's I. So. I think he might be a healthy scratch. He's he's pretty. He doesn't have a whole lot of gas left in the tank anyway, Andrew Ladd. I don't think he would make that major of a difference. Here's what you have to do though, if you were going to play out that scenario, Lawton's going to have to move back to center, which means you're going to move Hayes up to your top line. You're going to have to. You're probably yep. going to have to put yep. then um Scott Lawton slide him into your set uh, slide him into your second center hole. And then you got to figure out a decision what to do with Derek Grant. Uh, Derek Grant, you probably keep him at, at the third line center, move him to center. And then you have room to be able to move um, Lindblom into the lineup if that's the case. Um, you can't they, – they need they need to make sure they're solidified down the middle first before anything and figure that out. So that, that's, yeah, and, and, that's why it's a wait-and-see approach with it. So the only thing you is – wait that, and see. And the other thing is, I think it's a really, really slim chance that we see. Like, it would be great to see Oscar Lindblom. I think he'll be. He was in the warmups uh, pregame tonight uh, again with, with that. Av said in his pregame press conference, I would imagine he's going to be the same thing on Thursday. I, I, I would give it maybe a ten percent odd that he actually well, suits September. up and plays. They said September, yeah. so it, we're. It, it, I, I can't believe September started today, but it's September, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Basically, I would prefer to see. I, I I think the logical, not logical, but I think the best bet is Morgan Frost. I think Morgan Frost yeah. just just because of uh, Raffle. Then where? Yeah. Well, or, if Raffle's healthy, yeah, totally. If he's able to play, then that would be a good pullback in the lineup because he gives you more defensive. And see, at this point, you're not looking so much for your creativity. You're trying to grind this game out. So Morgan Frost, he's got great offensive upside. But younger players are not as defensively responsible in the puck. We've seen that with Farabee a couple times during the playoffs already. Frost is going to be the same thing because it's a learning curve. Raffle's got that experience, not that flashy of a player, but you can trust him in your own end. So if you're going to look at this, you're going to lose a little bit up the middle uh, attack-wise, but if you can make it back up a little bit on your back end if Raffle's able to play. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's see what happens and wait and see what happens to Couturier because hopefully it's just one of those things where they held him out precaution. Um, and maybe just it feels know, better man. tomorrow. I mean, I, yeah, look, I, hockey players are tough. They, they'll play through injuries, but it, it, even though it looked pretty bad, it might just be something where it's a little bit of something maybe tomorrow it'll feel better, that sort of thing. Because he did have that yeah. knee-on-knee collision with Rocco Gudis in the playoffs a couple years ago. He missed the game, and then he came back. So, Yeah, know, but hopefully these knee-on-knee hits, these knee on hate, knee hits, man, are are, are give and go of or uh, touch and go of what could happen. Like, yeah, that's true. They are they are some of the scariest hits, other than the the direct ball, it back into the boards and head first into the boards. Knee on knee is right up there with it. And I know for the average yeah. hockey fan, it doesn't sound as bad, but man, these knee on knees when you're going as fast as these players are. You can tear something very, very easily because of it, and I'm not. Yeah. Again, we don't know the extent of Katuri's injury, but uh, and we're hoping that it's just precautionary of why they held him out. But 
again, we're talking about playoff hockey. It takes a lot to keep these players off the ice in playoff time, especially in a time when you're going into overtime in your elimination game. Like I'm, I'm holding out hope that he's not hurt too terribly, but like put it this way, whenever the season ends, whether it's Thursday night, Saturday night after in game seven against Tampa in four, whatever it may be, we're going to get a long list of these ice hockey players on the Philadelphia Flyers that are playing that, and they're going to get surgery in two weeks or whatever it yeah, may be. I bet you that, 10 to 1 is, is one of them. I bet you 10 to 1 is going to be one of them. them. Yep. Giroux is going to be one of them. Like it's, it's, all the centers have wrist problems. They're, they're playing with twisted wrists, probably some sort of fractured wrist, I would venture to guess. Like it, it's, it is insane what these players do to win this cup, and you, it, it makes it that much more special when you're able to lift it. But, right. man, it's – I'm very, I'm very, uh, I guess it would be bearish on what uh, go, is going through Couturier right now. Like, because the knee on knee scares the hell out of me. And when you're not playing in the overtime game of the playoff elimination game, that's more reason that I'm very concerned. Like, there, there's a, there's a serious problem here. And I, and especially because the season starts, the next season starts in December. Like, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm, I, but like, you also got to factor that in like that. This kind of stuff is not going to be fun. Uh, if Couturier's injury or any of these players injuries that we inevitably find out about uh, are serious down the line. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm sure they'll release more tomorrow. Um, it might be one of those wait and see things. We might not know right till before game time. So uh, it, it's going to be a little bit nerve wracking, but Hey, look, I, I, I look at it this way. The, the way Vigneault, has been able to get this team to this point to battle back through all the adversity with this so far. Um, I have no reason the way the team responded in the third period. Granted, they blew the lead. Um, I don't have an, I, I, with the way the team responded, and how much physically, how, how much better they were playing physically after that incident happened. Um, I, I think it, it, could, it could possibly give them just the emotional bump to get them through this game because right now you're excited yeah. you won game five in overtime. It's great, wonderful, but guess what? You're still facing elimination. So by the nothing way, by the changes. Way, by the way, AV, as a head coach, uh, I believe both – yeah, both were with the New York Rangers. He is a two-time coach that has brought his team back from the brink of a 3-1 deficit – in 2015, do you know who the coach he faced was that uh, he brought back to win for the series? I'm going to say Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz, when he was yeah. the coach of the, of the Washington Capitals. He brought them back 3-1, to one, forced the game 7, uh, and beat the, beat the Washington Capitals. And he did it the year before. I can't remember who the team was. I don't have it in front of me. But AV has the experience. Like it, it, this comes down to yes, uh, we need our the, the top six to show up, and we saw them show up tonight. But if you don't like put it this way, if Dave Haxtall was put into this scenario, it they're already eliminated. Stop they're it. already eliminated Stop by like AV. <laughs> well, yeah, they also don't win one. They probably don't even win a playoff series. Like if, if, right. if Dave Haxtell exactly. was in this scenario, they don't but even AV, make the top twenty-four. <laughs> right? Ooh, ooh, Vegas just Vegas just took the lead. That was a nice. filthy goal by Theodore. I think it was Theodore. I can't remember. Shea Th- Theodore. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, sorry. Um, but yeah, AV has the, has this experience, and he know has the know how of getting his players juiced up and ready to go. And it goes back to uh, my point about 
Yes, the top six needs to show up. The, everyone needs to show up from the blue line to the to the goalie and Carter Hart. By the way, we didn't talk about touch. We talked about the one bad goal that Carter Hart had. I thought he had a very good game for a kid that dude for a kid that went to his first that is facing playing in his first elimination game uh in the playoffs and had two stone cold stops in overtime where that should have been the end of the series right there on both instances both of them i believe were on a breakaway at least one of them was and carter hart stood tall let the uh skater make the first move and man if Carter Hart is able, it's a shame that Carter Hart can't. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry, he's 22. I, he looks like a 14 year old, so he doesn't look like he should be able to buy a beer yet. <laughs> so someone needs to buy that kid a beer right now, especially in Canada. Well, they, Canada's legal there. drinking age is 18. 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now look, Carter played a really good game tonight, but again, it comes down to this. I'm critical of Carter because I know how much potential the kid has. So I will actually because everybody sees what no, he does yeah, well. Right. I, yeah. I, I am pointing out his flaws so to approve upon him, not to break him down and saying he's bad. He's a very good goaltender. But again, they talked about it on the broadcast. What did we talk about last podcast about the goals that he gives up, the ones under the arms? They brought it up very early in the podcast. Bush was like, yeah, a couple times you see him getting beat under the arms. Yeah, like all these things, like you can see he's got to meant more of a blocking style. That one, while it's a quick shot, he's got to expect it. That far out, he's got to be ready for it. The way he reacted to it, he was surprised that it was coming. While there are guys there, yes, but still, you got to know in that situation, a guy at the top of the slot, at the top of the circle, wherever it was, you got to know at that situation, a shot is coming. That, But again, it comes with experience. As he gets older, he'll learn this stuff. But those are the types of goals that can deflate your team. That is the difference between a very good starter and elite goaltender is being aware of those situations. So, um, look, I give him an A tonight because the way he saved the season twice in overtime, he could have gotten beaten uh, by Adam Pellick and he could have gotten beaten by Brock Nelson on that low break on that breakaway. But he didn't. And he stood tall, and that's going to give him another confidence boost. And you got to wonder what's happened to Varlamov on the other end because uh, he he played pretty well early, and then he I mean he falls apart. But that's the book on Varlamov. It's that you know yep. he, when he's the top of his game, he's unbeatable. But you you back him up a little bit, and he he just does well, not this play way. the same way. Yeah, well, well, put it this way: uh, in tomorrow Thursday night, I keep saying tomorrow night, Thursday night. Um, he's going to be on a short leash. Like it's going to be a very, if the flyers go out to the lead, if they go up three, one again, or two, nothing, three, nothing early on, he is going to be given a very quick leash. And we're going to see Grice quickly into that, into that oh, spot no. there. Cause I, oh, I, I no. think trots again, well, it also, it's a balancing act. You got to figure out what trots, what's creeping into Barry trots mind really. Cause is he going to think, Okay, we have to win Game Six, otherwise we're up against our backers on the wall, and our my my goalie's uh, confidence completely shot for Game Seven. Um, and you have to figure out in that sense, or is he just going to ride him out and go? Whether we lose Game Six, I still have full full confidence in in Varlamov 
for a game seven, despite what we know about Varlamov. You get him moving, you get the first goal on him. Obviously, you didn't get the first, but you get the early goal on him and you get you get him moving and, and all of a sudden he's going to become very shaky. And we saw that tonight. Like, does Barry Trotz just completely just throw the book at him and say, I'm riding with you no matter what? Or does he just say, I got to put a quick leash on him and, and put Grice in when, when the time comes? Because I lean towards the latter. I think I think Varlamov is going to have a short leash uh, Thursday night. I really, really do. I don't know. I, look, they they are they are actually um, they they've been riding Varlamov. He's their starter. He's their guy. Grice can come in and play a game. Do I expect Grice to start Game Six? No. Would I expect him in Game Seven? No. I think that was just the anomaly, kind of like with Brian Elliott. Um, yep. It, it just they're going to ride him, but. Again, we talked about he was riding a hot shutout streak coming into this series, got a shutout in game one, then you broke his confidence a little bit in game two. He rebounded after that in game three. Uh, game four, he didn't start tonight. He looked okay. He made some tough saves, but um, he, now the pressure's on him a little bit. So it, it depends. It's, it, I don't think they're going to move on from it. Especially because the top six for the Flyers have started. Well, that's the bigger thing. If they've got confidence and they get going, as we talked about before, you get an extra gear, then it doesn't matter who's in goal. That's what it comes down to. So now that these guys have broken some of these, have broken through here a little bit, they're going to be playing a little more confident. They're going to not be gripping the stick as tight. They're just going to shoot the puck and play it. And a lot of times – you know, you got to be a goalie can't stop that. So if you're if you're if you're clicking, you're clicking. If you're not, you're not. So that's what it comes down to. Yeah, and it's the good thing is there's no uh, any of this leaking into the Carter Hart camp. Like Carter Hart, as we said time and time again uh, throughout this episode, he made two stone cold stops to save the season uh, for this for this team tonight, and then. And then you just have a confident backup or a suitable backup in Brian Elliott if the worst comes to happen. But 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 Carter Hart continues to go the opposite end of what we were fearing, not fearing, but we're seeing with Varlamov in just that his confidence is going higher and higher as we, we progress through the playoffs. And it's immensely it, – like it's so amazing to see for a kid that's in his first playoffs, just went through his first overtime uh, win, and now he's looking at his second career uh, elimination game, to, and, and he already has the co- full confidence in the world, and he has the offensive firepower waking up to back him up even more. Right. Like if right. I'm that kid – if I'm Carter Hart, my confidence is as high as the show Shebang can contained right now. Yep. Like that's that's where he should be for sure, without a doubt. And look, you just move on to the next game, keep doing what you're doing, and if you win the next one, then it's all or nothing. And that's the most fun thing in hockey. So we we yeah. will see. Two, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun to watch. That's for sure. Two best words in hockey: Game, game seven. Seven. Yes, sir. Like that. It, it's there's nothing. It's a it's. It, I'm sure for the the Flyers fan that just uh, joined in and uh, got to experience overtime hockey uh, for the first time since 2012, or I believe I don't even know if they went to overtime in 2012. Well, either way, it's been a while. Yes, they since did. They went, they went. They went to overtime uh, twice in 2012. They won Game One against Pittsburgh, and then they won Game One against the Devils, and then they lost Game Three oh, against right. the Devils. Yeah, yeah, they've had so, a lot of overtime. Like, it's been a while since we've experienced overtime and your the heart palpitations hopefully have started to subside. Yeah, we've all yeah. collected ourselves. Uh, you're, we're all ready to go. And then we're going to do it all, all again on Thursday. Yep. <laughs> like that's, exactly. that's what we're doing. And so that's before the fun of playoff hockey. That's the fun of it. Yeah. 
That, and it's the worst, best feeling that you will ever experience in your life. That's <laughs> I couldn't have said it sure. better myself. That's how we got to wrap it up. That's exactly how you say it. What are your predictions for game game six? I need Flyers to know. Win. Flyers win. Flyers are going to pull this one out. By the I way, great prediction. Seven. You you nailed this prediction. You didn't call overtime, but you called 4-3. Oh, I did? All right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Let's see. Let's see. I'm, I, look, I, I just see the game as a whole, and that's what I'm saying. I still think Islanders in seven. I just, I just, for some reason, I just have that feeling. But again, to get the seven, uh, the, I think the Flyers are going to win game six. I think it's going to be another, like, <sighs> I think it's a game they actually probably control. I'm going to say more like four, two, five, two, maybe get an empty netter in there. I was going to say, yeah, I was leaning towards like a five, three. Uh, victory, like a, a but yeah. the, the fifth goal is an empty netter. Like that's gonna, where I'm gonna, at. Gonna, they got to get one in here where they can <laughs> control it because then you really get the Islanders thinking going into Game Seven, and that's what you want. That's really what you want. Like I, 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 I would like to save my stress and more heartfelt heart palpitations for an over potential an overtime Game Seven. Because uh, if I have to go through an overtime in Game Six and Game Seven potentially, I'll, I'll be dead by five minutes in of Game Seven. Put it that way. Like yeah. I, I can't. Yep. I need the Flyers to just confidently come out like they did. And that's the other thing too that's been very frustrating. They have been, like if you go back and watch Game One through Five, they have really controlled the first period for the first ten. 15 minutes or so, and then the wheels fell off up until tonight, really. Uh, tonight, the wheels fell off in the third period uh, in the last eight, seven, eight minutes. But that's what's frustrating about this Flyers team. And I think you saw them break through it a little bit tonight. Uh, the, the first period is always very strong. And then the second period, they roll out, and it's like they uh, are they, they think they're all of a sudden in the lead, and they just got to sit back on their heels and, and just defend. And that's the exact opposite of the scenario that they're in. And it's very it's very frustrating to watch for sure. I don't know if you have the same uh, takeaway out of that. Uh, no, I, I I really don't. It's about the same. Mm-hmm. I don't really Fair have enough. anything more out of that. <laughs> no, that, 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 I was, I'm not that was the shortest you. explanation we've ever gotten from you, Scott. Uh, I think right? the audience is a little floored. I, probably. I know you were a little bit there. <laughs> I, I, I was like, shut I can, the hell up. <laughs> I thought I was like, oh, this is a moment I'll get to take a sip of water. My throat's like you. My throat's been scratchy because I've been I screamed uh, when when the flyer when Lawton tipped the puck into the net to force Game Six. But anyway, Dude, I, I'm with I, you. It's I pumped be- my arm so hard, I literally hurt my arm. Like that's how <laughs> that's how hard I was pumping my arm. Like. You so know, when you I, give up five goals, the next time you play rec league is what—that's your excuse. Uh, first of all, let me say something. I gotta give a shout out to the Sunday League Bandits. All right, I got to my team, the Bandits. We were down one nothing in our series. We lost last week. We had a back to back. We if we won the first game on Sunday, uh, we would go into a straight back-to-back. We were down 3-2 at a minute left. We tied it up. We won it overtime. We go into the next game, and we're up like 6-2, and I don't know what happened, but I the puck just started avoiding me. <laughs> <laughs> and next thing you know, it's it's 7-5. I, I, I couldn't could explain it any better. There, it, with about two minutes left, this guy at the blue line just shoots one. He just shoots. It's coming right at me. And next thing you know, I'm looking behind me. I don't know how I got I me. Mean, it was literally like slow motion just coming at me and thinking, okay, I got this. Just going to hit it. Let it hit the body. Let it hit my arm. I'm just going to cover it up. Like all this stuff in a matter of a quarter of a second. And next thing you know, I look at that and it's behind me. And I look up and I see my defenseman screaming, come on, you got to stop one here. <laughs> 
Oh, so, that's got to be. Yeah. yeah. But luckily, luckily, with about like uh, less than a minute left, they had a shot come from the point that got tipped at the last second. I got a piece of it covered up, and then we won. We won the playoff series. So it's good. And well, then I played. I think- we our, our team has a. We have a week. We have a week. A weekend team and a weekday team. I played on. I play on the weekend team and the weekday team. I subbed in for him last night. <laughs> I got shredded, man. It was. I got a goalie stood on his head. I looked up at the clock at one point. I was like, "Oh boy, it's uh, it's nine one. Oh, I, I didn't realize it was that bad. <laughs> oh my so, goodness. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. Right. That happened, but it's fun. It's fun. Well, at the end of the day, it's fun. Hopefully that doesn't happen to the Flyers and Carter Hart. I doubt they'll be giving up nine goals in a game (laughs) scenario. But this is right. This is we go from a four-three win to all of a sudden a seven-six game, and the night after I'm giving up nine goals. So I think I need to take a couple of days off here because obviously my body's not up to speed on that being able to see that much rubber. So all right. Well, that's a good. There, there there goes your. that, That makes up for the short explanation I had before. Yeah, there you go. Now we now we can all drink our waters. Now we can all go back to sleep. If everyone wants to wake back up, we're going to end the podcast now. Scott has finished his story. <laughs> all right, Barry, that was for you, buddy. I know, I know you're listening. That was for you. We will be back on Thursday night once again. Elimination game for the Philadelphia Flyers. Win or go home, or force the two best words in hockey, as we said before. Game seven. Scott and I are feeling pretty great. I think this is going to be a, a, a controlled game by the Flyers, and then we'll all have heart palpitations Saturday evening or Saturday afternoon whenever they decide game six is going to happen. So that will do it for episode 48. And it's very appropriate that we're episode 48 because Mr. Playoff, Danny Briere, is the episode uh, number. Danny Briere, we thank you for your sir, for your years as a Philadelphia Flyer. That is going to do it for Orange and Backcheck, episode 48. Oh, wait, before you go, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. you know what next episode number is? 49. Maybe we should just skip it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I've already, I, I, I already said to myself, I was like, I'm not bringing this one up. Uh-uh. Nope, not tonight. We're going to join this one tonight. Hopefully, 49 won't bite us again next time. So, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Orange and Backcheck. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search Orange and Backcheck. It will be the first result right there for you. Shoot us an email if you have any questions or thoughts on the game six. If you have heart palpitations, if you need help, let us know. We'll help you guide through your overtime experience in playoff hockey. Orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. We'll talk to you guys Thursday night. Heather, who barely watches hockey, was what happened to be watching this, and like five minutes, six minutes into overtime, she goes, "Man, this is really intense." I go, "Yeah, yeah, no sh." <laughs> Thanks, Jen. We should talk about that. My wife, she's up at her parents' house watching the game. She's she she grew up a Rangers fan, and she's been so into this. She goes like this. She mm-hmm. keeps getting. I get a text message. She goes, she goes. She goes, I don't like overtime. It's nerve-wracking. I said, oh, my God, isn't it? I live for this.